friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. In today's episode, we're talking with one of my favorite friends here in Nashville, author Hannah Seymour. Hannah is the author of a new book that I just love called The College Girls Survival Guide, and she's also an incredible mentor, Bible teacher, and friend. Now, if you've been around our Girls' Night community for a while, you might have a touch of deja vu right now. Yes, Hannah has been on the show before, twice actually, and you're about to get to know her a whole lot better because this week and next week are a Hannah doubleheader. We didn't plan to do that necessarily, but I am not sorry about it one bit. What happened is that Hannah and I sat down a few weeks ago to talk about Christian relationships. Specifically, I brought her a whole list full of Christian dating rules that were all given, and together we talked through which ones are true, biblical, real, important, and which ones we can totally throw out. By the way, this conversation would have been so helpful for me back when I was dating, and I have a feeling it's going to be for you too. But the thing is, as we sat down to talk through all these dating rules, we got so wrapped up in the conversation that an hour later, I looked up at the clock to realize that we had totally run out of time and only gotten through half of the questions. I thought about stopping there, I really did, but as I looked over the questions that we hadn't covered yet, I knew you guys would hate it if we stopped there. So Hannah is going to be back on the show next week with part two of this conversation, and trust me, you are not going to want to miss a second of it. Today, we're going to be talking more about the things leading up to a Christian relationship. Things like, can Christians date for fun, or are we only supposed to date with the intention of marrying the person? Things like, is it okay to date online, or is that not allowing God to be in charge? And speaking of God being in charge, we talk so much about God's timing and His plan for our lives, but what does that look like in relationships? Does God pick who we marry? How does this all work? Or this one, as a Christian, can you date a non-Christian? What does it mean to be equally yoked? And on that note, how do you find out if the guy you're dating is a Christian without being pushy or weird about it? We hear that the guy is supposed to be the spiritual leader and also the pursuer of the relationship. Are those things true? And if so, what does that look like played out? And you guys, that is just the beginning. We're going there in this episode. I am so excited about it. So then next week, we're going to be answering some of the big questions we all ask once we're in a relationship. Questions like, is this guy the one? How do I know? Or when is the right time to get married? How long do you have to date before you're ready? And what does being ready actually look like? How do you know if you're ready? Or this one, can you or should you move in together before you get married? And are you really supposed to wait until you get married to have sex? And how do you set realistic physical boundaries and actually stick to them? And what do you do if you've already crossed them? We're going to be talking about what it means to guard your heart, and we're going to talk through what does it actually mean to keep Jesus at the center of your relationship? How do you even begin to do that? And guys, that's just the beginning. See, I told you we could not stop at part one. Guys, Hannah is wise and wonderful and hilarious. The advice she gives in these episodes are practical and biblical and honest and actually doable. Plus, you'll get to hear lots more from Hannah and I both about our own relationships and marriages. We're going to be talking about how we handled some of these big questions in our own relationships. We'll talk about whether or not we had sex with our spouses before we got married and more. I can't wait to dive in. But before I do, there's something I wanted to make sure to tell you about. So if you've been hanging out at our girls' nights for a while, you might have heard that a few times a year I teach an online course called Make the Most of Your Single Life. It's one of my very favorite parts of my job because I basically get to lead an online small group full of the most amazing women, and over the course of a month, we talk through how to live this season of being single to the absolute full. Listen, you guys, I will be the very first to say that being single can be tough. It really can be. It can be lonely and frustrating and confusing, and it gets worse as all of your friends are getting into relationships and getting married. We're asking questions like, why haven't I met my person yet? How do I even meet great guys? It seems like all the good ones are taken. We're asking, how much am I supposed to be putting myself out there, and how much am I supposed to be waiting on God? We're trying to figure out how to stop comparing ourselves and our love lives and our stories to those of our friends. We're asking, how do I live this season with joy and contentment? How do I prepare myself for marriage while not skipping this season and skipping on to the next one? We're asking, am I ready to date? How do I know? And if I do feel like I'm ready to date, then I have 8,000 other questions about how to actually do that. We're asking, what am I supposed to do with my sex drive while I'm single? And so many more. Those are all questions we answer in the course, by the way. But really, while being single can be really tough, it's also such a crucially important season of our lives. This season while we're single is the perfect time to figure out who we are and where we're going in life. 
It's the perfect time to invest in our relationship with God and in our relationship with our communities and our family. It's the perfect time to invest in our hearts and to heal from some of the hard things that have happened to us in the past. And it's the perfect time to have so much fun and so many wonderful adventures. And that's exactly what this course is all about. I'll teach you how to make the very most of your single life, how to live this season of your life to the absolute full, and not only so that you don't miss out on years of your wild and precious life, but also because making the most of our single lives is the very best way for us to meet a really awesome guy and the very best way to prepare ourselves for an amazing marriage. A question Carl and I get asked all the time is, what can I be doing to prepare myself for marriage? And our answer is always the same. Make the most of your single life. We can both trace back so much the goodness and the warmth and the health and the connectedness of our marriage back to decisions we made when we were single. And that's exactly what this course is all about. So here are the details. You can find out all about the course and get your name on the waiting list at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in the show notes. And like I said at the beginning, I only teach this course twice a year. Well, super exciting news. The next round of the course is coming up soon. Registration is going to be opening back up on September 10th. And if this sounds like it's up your alley, I would love for you to join us. A side note to this, if this does sound like it's up your alley, make sure to put that date on your calendar. Registration will be open from September 10th to the 14th, and you're going to want to sign up early because the course completely sold out last time, so I want to make sure you get a spot. One other thing is that I know that some of you may be listening to this well after September 10th, and that's totally fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and you will be the very first to know next time the course is opening back up. Okay, that's a lot of information, but I'm so excited that that's right around the corner and it fits so perfectly with our conversation today. So I wanted to make sure to tell you. And speaking of our conversation today, let's jump in. Here's my conversation with Hannah. All right, guys, I'm sitting here with my friend Hannah, who I feel like I shouldn't call her my friend at this point. I should call her our friend because (laughs) Hannah, this is your third time being on the Girls Night Podcast and I'm 0% sorry about it. I know that you have so many people that you could interview. And I literally, I told my husband the other night, I'm like, why does Steph keep wanting me on her show? (laughs) She's such better people to choose from. It's so not true. It's so not true. Um, I told Carl that I was going to be interviewing you again. And he goes, well, yeah. And I was like, okay, so you're not going to tell me like, Stephanie, go like branch out, spread your wings. And he goes, no, like she's awesome at this. So (laughs) Hannah, welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. So good to be here. Um, Hannah, you've been on the show twice. Yes. Um, You before. And um, our last episode was a 20-somethings survival guide, um, which you talked all about your book, which I'm totally jumping ahead. You can tell us about that in a second. The other episode was, what did I call it? The Christian Girl's Guide Married Christian Girls Guide. Something about sex. Something about <laughs> great sex when you're married. And still, I mean, I am continuously getting messages about that episode. It like everyone loved it. I, I loved it. Love that. I actually got a message probably two weeks ago from a girl who had listened to it and was like, This was so helpful. Like she's been married a year and was like, Why aren't people talking about this? And what other books can I read? And, um, okay. I love that. Yeah. Well, so um if the amazing women listening have not heard those episodes yet. Well, first of all, go back and listen. But if they haven't gotten to meet you yet, can you just introduce yourself to us? Tell us who you are, what you do. And we're going to ask you, I I feel like I should have you like do push-ups or something like that because this is your third time. There's a penalty for this. Um, But we're going to have you do like an embarrassing story or a fun fact, or since we're talking about dating today, maybe kind of a fun dating story, embarrassing dating story. Yes, I can do that. Yes. Okay. So my name is Hannah Seymour. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been here, gosh, over eight years now. I do a lot of things. I wear a lot of hats and play a lot of roles. So I am an author and I just had my first book come out in April of this year called Mm -hmm. The College Girl Survival Guide. So that's been super fun. I've gotten to do a lot of media stuff for that and I'm hopefully, hopefully doing a college tour well, I am doing a college tour this fall. Hopefully it's like lots of sites, but getting to travel around and speak to college women about, you know, not just making the most of their college experience, but how do you live intentionally during those four years to really propel you into adulthood? So love that. That's my heart. My day job, I work for my dad. I produce a podcast. So it's always so fun to be on other people's podcasts because you're just along for the ride instead yes. of in charge. And that yes. is a delight. <laughs> Um, and then I'm a wife and I'm a new mom. I have an almost seven month old baby boy and that's me kind of in a nutshell. I love it. Yeah. All right. Hit us with your fun fact slash embarrassing story slash dating story. Okay. So I, 
Okay, if you know anything about me, if you've read my blog or any part of my book, you would know that I have a uh, say yes to a guy when he asks you out rule. So if a guy asks you out, I think he deserves a chance. We're too hard on guys. We tell them no, but then we blame them for not asking girls out on dates. Like, gotta help the brother out. So because of that, I went out on a lot of first dates. (laughs) Uh, most of which were not great. So my, probably the best worst one of all time, let's just start with how he got my number. So first of all, our fathers knew each other because in a professional setting and his dad went out to eat at a restaurant where my sister was the waitress. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Back it with me so far. I'm with you. He gave her, I'm still a little salty about this with my sister to this day. He gave her $20 to give him my number. This is the dad, okay? What? Dad pays my little sister to get my phone number to pass on to his son. She should have absolutely given you that $20 plus interest. Yes, you're right. And I'm going to follow up with her and let yes. her know that yes. she owes me money. Yes. Um. So that's how we got my phone number. He called me, he he set up a date and he did not realize that the day he was choosing was Valentine's Day, which of course I'm looking at my calendar and I'm realizing this immediately and thinking this guy does not know what he's doing and I'm just going to let him do it, you know, like, (laughs) so of course, like he like admits once we're finally on the date, he's like, I didn't realize this was a Valentine's Day. I was having such a hard time finding reservations. (laughs) And dinner's like 40 times more expensive And then the whole dinner was so awkward because he knew like everything about me because our dads worked in a professional setting because my dad was kind of someone of like notoriety, like, like you can, my dad's on Wikipedia. So you can like read all about my dad and our family and like, we're all listed in there. So like he knew all about my siblings, like he just knew way too much information. So it wasn't like a tell me about yourself. Like, let me learn things about you. The date was more him showing me how much he knew about me, which is weird. Weird. And then like bragging about himself and talking himself up a lot. And he was also like hot to get married. So it was just, just the whole thing. It was just too much. I remember leaving thinking like, dear God, I can never go out with this guy again. That was way too much. If you go on one more date with him, he'll think you're like engaged or something. Exactly. So yeah, that was Oh, it was unfortunate. That is amazing. And I feel like that's like an early dating tip. Like as we're about to get into (laughs) dating and relationships and stuff, like stalking the person online. Don't do it. Don't do it because one. at least don't reveal that you've done it. Yeah. Or like maybe lightly do it or something. But I feel like then you don't have anything to ask them about and it's awkward and you like miss out. And plus, like you never know what someone's life looks like from social media. Like you, you, it's just not the full story. So, but yeah, it makes the date weird where you're like, you know, what have you been doing lately? Well, I know I've seen all the pictures or something, (laughs) you know, just like kind of kills the date. Um, I love that. Um, well, okay. So Hannah, I'm so excited to be talking to you today. What we're, you know, in our little corner of the internet, we talk about relationships a lot. We talk about, um, singleness a ton. I have a course, which actually you're one of the guests for one of the bonus videos, which I love. Um, but the course is make the most of your single life. And that's really what it is. It's to help us as women make the very most of this season while we're single, um, enjoy it, invest in it, invest in ourselves, invest in our lives. One, because this is such a precious season of life. Mm -hmm. And two, because by doing those things, we're setting ourselves up so much better to date and to meet really great people and to catch their eye when we do. And those same things are the very best ways to set ourselves up for really healthy, really good marriages. So that's like totally my heart. Um, And actually the course is going to be opening up. I only teach it twice a year, which you know, we're going to be teaching it again starting September 10th, That's awesome. um, which I'm super excited about. And if you're listening to this like a year later or something like that, (laughs) you can still go check out the website to see when we're going to be teaching it again, because yeah, we do it twice a year and I love that. But what we don't get to talk about quite as much, um, we just kind of haven't gotten here yet, is what to do when you're in a, in a relationship. Mm. Um, and I get questions about this all the time, and I just haven't had a chance to answer them. Like, wh- how do you pursue the Lord when you're in the midst of, of, of a relationship? Like, what do you do next? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really excited to talk about that today, and specifically because there's a lot of, like, relationship advice out in the world. There's also a lot of relationship advice in the church. 
And I don't know about you, but I found the relationship advice in the church to be very confusing Mm -hmm. and kind of unhelpful. Mm -hmm. Um, There are all these like catchphrases, which actually I'm going to ask you about pretty much every single one of them. (laughs) Um, It's like, what does it, what does this mean? And like, how do we do this? And are we actually supposed to, is that actually in scripture or is that one of those things that's like on Pinterest as a Bible verse, but like that's nowhere in there. Yeah. So I want to talk through these different things and see if we can just kind of shed some light on different things and just help our amazing listeners who are are in relationships right now just kind of navigate some of it. And I'm excited because as well as talking about like what God says about some of these things, I thought it'd be really fun if you and I share like kind of how we handled these things and why these were these things were important to us. Um, Just now we've been married a couple of years and we can kind of look back and we've both dated a bunch and stuff too. So we can say like, you know, here's what I did along the way. So anyway, so I guess my first question is, you know, I missed this part of Christianity. I was not a Christian yet when everyone decided to kiss dating goodbye. Um, (laughs) But I feel like, I feel like one, that doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. People aren't really talking about that, but I think it's still like lingered a little bit that you kind of shouldn't be dating as a Christian that you should be like intentionally preparing for marriage. Kind of like that guy was courting. Yes. Yes. Uh, so first, can you talk about that? Like, do you feel like, like, should we be dating as Christians? Yeah. And because I, did you read I Kiss Dating Goodbye? Oh yeah, of course I did. Yeah. I'm sure you did. Yeah. So I Kiss Dating Goodbye came out when I was in high school. Joshua Harris is the author. For those of you that are too young and don't remember this or didn't grow up in the weird, let's just call it weird Christian world. Um, (laughs) and it ruined my high school experience. I mean, it ruined our youth group. Like everyone all of a sudden decided we should kiss dating goodbye. We should not date. We should court, which guys, high schoolers. So courting is like this idea of like, I am pursuing you to marriage. No 16 year old needs to be doing that. Okay. (laughs) Yes. The unfortunate part. Guys, Joshua Harris wrote that book when he was 21. (gasps) Why did we allow a 21-year-old to author a book on, like, why? Like, that is like me getting to author a book today on being a mom. I have a seven-month-old. I've been doing this for seven months. Um, I don't know anything, you know? Like, it's just, and I mean, Fortunately, unfortunately, like I think in the last year, Joshua Harris has come back on record and said like, yeah, probably shouldn't have said a lot of that stuff. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like the damage has been done. The damage has been done. So, I mean, here's the deal. Does the Bible talk about dating? No, because the Bible was written in a very specific context in middle, in the middle East centuries ago. People did not date, okay? (laughs) Like, that wasn't what was going on. It didn't need to be addressed at the time. So, I mean, is dating bad? No, I think dating is important. I think if we don't date, if we don't experience a variety of people, how do we know, like, what's going to be the best fit for us in marriage? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, do I? I mean, I have a best friend who truly her first boyfriend wasn't until her late 20s and she married him, okay? So there are those stories and that that's her story. That's like what God planned for her. And that's awesome. But most of us are not going to date one person person and marry that one person. Yeah. And it's, I think we hope we do, you know, part of it I think is like, we have this, there's sort of like these like Christian whisperings that that's how it's supposed to go. Um, so there's that, but I, I think also, I think part of those like Christian whisperings come from the fact that dating's painful. Like if you get into all these small yeah. relationships, you have to end all of those small relationships yeah. and it's hard. It it sounds way easier to just date one person and never get your heart broken. But yeah, I think you're right. Like that doesn't happen to most people. And I think that while there are benefits of that, there are also drawbacks of that because I know for me, I grew I've grown more into who I believe that God created me to be. I know God in the first place because of getting my heart broken. Mm-hmm. And like truly when I know when I met Carl because I I'd, I'd been dating, you know, I dated a bunch of different people, when I dated Carl, I knew there was something really special about him. Mm-hmm. And that's I think when people say like you just know, I think part of just knowing that this person is the person for you is because you've met a lot of people who were not the person for you. Yep. And you've seen a lot of things where it's like, oh, this quality in this person is actually really important to me. I didn't know that until I dated them. Yes. Um, and so then when you meet someone who has these things, like that's part of just knowing. You have the experiences to kind of draw it together. Yes. So, I I dated a lot throughout my 20s and 
towards the end, I realized like I've been dating the wrong guy. Like a lot of us have a type and I had a type and I don't just mean physically. I mean, personality, demeanor, like I had a type. And when I realized that I was, I needed a different type, like what's crazy is I went back in my Rolodex and was like, oh, that Tyler Seymour guy who I went out on two and a half dates with, like (laughs) he, I think has the qualities that I actually need to be coupled with. And you never would have picked Tyler randomly because he wasn't your type. Never. Yep. And then at 29, when we started dating again, just like you said, it's like, I've been through the gamut. I I distinctly remember sitting uh, at a restaurant called Silly Goose, which doesn't exist anymore in Nashville and looking at him and thinking, I don't know what would break us up, but it's like, I had to go through enough relationships and know what broke us up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway. And you've practiced, like, you know, we have to practice talking to guys. We have to practice going on a first date. We have to practice being in a relationship with someone, sharing our life with someone. And it's just, it's like a lot of trial and error. And if we're not trying, like we're not going to learn the things we need to know in order to be in a great marriage. So, right. All right. We're pro dating. There we go. Pro dating. Um, okay. So the next question we got, you know, and we, we have tons and tons of reader questions or listener questions, which I'm really excited about. What about online dating? Like, so this is kind of a bigger question. So one girl asked, is it okay to online date? Is that making it, is that like not allowing God to be in charge? Mm. Which brings me to the bigger question there is we talk so much about God's plan for our lives and God's timing for our lives. Like, is God in charge of our relationships? Does he pick who we marry? Like, are we supposed to just like hands off wait and Mm -hmm. wait for him to drop someone in our lap? Or do we have more, like more of a part to play than that? Mm -hmm. So I have so many thoughts. Number one, and <laughs> I read a blog post about this years ago and it like blew up for a while. Soulmates, the idea of having a soulmate, that God created you, right? The Bible says he knit you together in your mother's womb. The thought that he knit you together and then knit some guy out there somewhere in the world also together for the intent purpose of you guys meeting and getting married is not really biblical. <laughs> so... Uh, that is like crushing for some. And I mean, I've had conversations where people are like, I just, I can't believe that. Like, I have to believe that, you know, there's that God. So, you know, whatever, you can take this with a grain of salt if you want. But when we look through the scriptures, there are very few people that seem to have quote unquote, a soulmate. Like there's maybe Adam and Eve. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were one, one also one each other's only option. Yes, like, that's it. And maybe one other story in the old Testament. So, most people like Jess, of course, married the convenient, like you married the person in your town, you married a natural fit, your parents agreed upon. Right. So this idea that there's only one person and we should just sit back and wait for God to like bring about that one soulmate that he's destined for us is probably not likely. I think that most women could walk into a room with a hundred Christian men, right? And they could probably marry 10 of those men and have a great God-centered, healthy marriage for the rest of their lives. They're just freaking out right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, I mean, while that, okay, while that is um, scary or horrible or whatever, you know, however, if you're feeling negative about that, the positive side to that is like, you don't have to find the one magical person, right? The idea is that you're looking for someone that is similar minded, that loves the Lord like you do, that you're compatible. Like that's the recipe. Well, well, that's the beginning of a recipe to a great marriage. Really the recipe to a great marriage is finding someone and you two being committed to every day like intentionally pursuing your spouse, putting the Lord first, putting your spouse before yourself, staying together. Like that's the recipe for a great marriage. So anyway, um, I feel like I'm way rabbit trailing off of your question. Back to like online dating. I don't, you know, I mean, think about all the things that we use online, like the internet for to help us in this world. Like again, okay, going back centuries ago, you didn't leave your town. Like you just got married to the person that lived in walking distance from you. Your family's got along, whatever. Our world has changed so much. Like we are sitting in my living room now and we can look out across the street. I know I just happen to actually know all of my neighbors because we just moved into a new neighborhood. But like 
in my last house, I didn't even know all my neighbors. I heard of a story recently of a couple who met online and they lived in the same neighborhood. Okay. So, and this is not, I didn't like, I know these people. So, so anyway, I, I think online dating is just using a tool that's been developed to like help you meet more people. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, and, and God is still sovereign over it. That's the thing. It's like, I think too often we think, oh, if I do X, Y, Z, I'm taking control of my life. Well, okay. First, let's start with God did create you to make decisions, to take risks, to try things. He gave us free will. Otherwise we'd be like puppets on a string and he could just do whatever we wanted with us. And then two, God is still always in control. Even if you feel like you're in control, God is sovereign over it and is in control. So whether you're online dating, whether you're having friends set you up, or you meet someone at church, like God is in control over all of these things. So like, where does that start and where does that stop? Because if God is in control, so do you think that he like, is he orchestrating things? Is he putting, you know, a lot of the questions we got were like, I'm wondering if this guy is in my life for a season or if God has only put him here for a minute. Like, what do you, what does it look like for God to be in control over all of these things? So I like to think of this in the realm of getting a job. Like you want to go get a job. You need a job. You need a job to pay your bills, to live, whatever. Um, So in order to get a job, you're going to put your resume together. You're going to submit through online applications. You're going to show up for interviews. You're going to dress your best for those interviews. You're going to prepare for those interviews. You're going to do all these things. God is still in control over all of that. He's helping you to be your best. He's equipped you to get there. He's given you a certain set of skills and talents that make you a great fit for certain jobs, right? He's, he's got his fingerprints all over it, but you've got to do the work to go out and get a job. Now, God is also sovereign over which doors close, which doors open, like all of that, right? But but none of us are going to argue that like, like you can't sit in your house and wait for God to give you a job. Right. You've got to go do the work. Right. But he's still sovereign over it, even though you're doing work. Yes. It's the same for dating. Like you can't just sit at home in your PJs watching Netflix and, you know, think that God is going to bring the perfect man to your front door. That, that's actually, my husband is often saying that to single guys, like the perfect girl is not going to show up at your front door. Like, what are you doing? The only person who shows up at your front door in that scenario is the pizza person. And if the pizza person happens to be like your soulmate, I, I don't know about you, how you look when you're in your PJs watching Netflix, <laughs> but that's like not my moment to meet my person. So a lot of things right. would have to come together for that to I be probably the case. got a mask on, yes. you know, like, a, like a, yes. a, a, an acne cleansing yes. mask. Yes. My, hair my hair has not been washed in three days. <laughs> like I'm wearing like the ugly sweatpants with like the hole in the crotch. Yes. Right. So like you have to do your part. Yeah. If you want to find, it's the same with finding friends. Yeah. Like you don't just sit at your home, wait for your best friend to show up on your front door. Like you're going out, you're going to places where you're meeting other women, you're pursuing relationships with them. You're asking them the coffee. Like you're doing these things. You're putting yourself in a place. You're being the best version of yourself, all of that to pursue people, yeah. whether it's friends or dating relationships. Yes. And so online dating is just a way of you connecting with more people in a way that like people who are looking to date and, and yeah, by the way, if you have more questions about online dating, that's something we talk about a ton in the course in make the most your single life. My girlfriend Carly, um, did a lot of online dating and is honestly a professional at it. Like she's just so, she has the perfect personality to just like crush it at online dating. And she did meet her husband that way. And so she talks all about it and like walks us through the whole thing. And so if you have more questions about online dating, we um, definitely talk about it there, but I want to make sure we get to all of the other questions we have. So Hannah, as a Christian, as you're looking for different people to date, as you're putting yourself out there, can you date a non-Christian? Here's, here's the phrase. Yep. What does it mean to be equally yoked? Yeah. Yeah. That one actually is in scripture. Yes, that is in scripture. Okay. That one's real. Okay, so that's 2 Corinthians 6 um, 14. And the NIV translation says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness, what does a believer and unbeliever have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? So I love because we hear unequally yoked a lot, but specifically the text says, don't be yoked with unbelievers. I am a total like word nerd and love reading other translations of the Bible because I think it helps us. Because again, like 
unequally yoked. What the heck? So I looked up two other translations. The NASB says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. NLT says, I love, I love NLT. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. <laughs> but I mean that, okay. So also when we think about pulling just little pieces of scripture out, we've got to think big picture. Who wrote it? Who did they write it for? And like, what's the context? So second Corinthians is written by Paul to the church in Corinth, to a group of believers in Corinth. And First and second Corinthians, like next time you open up your Bible, if you write in your Bible, at the top of first and second Corinthians, write a letter of correction. Like all Paul is doing is correcting all of these things that have gone wrong in this church. So everything in first and second Corinthians, like we can just look at it in that lens. He's correcting behavior that's, that's going on. That's not right. So that means that there were believers. Cause again, you got to think first century Christians, these people, and specifically the church in Corinth, I think, I could be mistaken, but they were Gentiles who became believers. So we're not even talking about like the Jewish culture anymore. These are just Gentiles who became believers. It was radical to be a Christian. We're not talking about Bible Belt, Nashville. We live in the South. Eight out of 10 people go to church in my neighborhood, right? Like it was radical. They were, it was called like, you were part of the way. They didn't even call themselves Christians. I mean, it's, it, it, it's extreme. They believe that a, the son of God came to earth, died on a cross, was buried, resurrected, goes back up to heaven, like radical. So they are, you know, marrying, they're not dating because there's not dating in this context. They're marrying non-believers and Paul is saying, don't do it. What's interesting is if you keep reading in second Corinthians, he has to go into like, okay, if you're already married, don't leave your spouse. If your spouse is not a believer, but you are, you're not going to leave them. Now, if your unbelieving spouse leaves, let him go. But I mean, it's this whole, again, he's, he's having to correct all the stuff that's going on in scripture. So what does it mean for us today to not <laughs> be bound together, team up with, or be yoked with non-believers? I think it's just as simple as that. I think often we've taken it like, oh, I don't want to be unequally yoked with him. He's a believer, but he, you know, like whatever. Let's just take this at super face value. Does this other person, are they pursuing Jesus in the same manner you are? Like if you are waking up every day and you are, I mean, you are just consumed with like, I want to follow the Lord and I care about this and and my day-to-day life. Like you need to find someone who is on a similar page as you. If you are like, yeah, I care about Jesus, but you know, it's not like all consuming. Great. Find someone that is similarly paced where you are in your journey of faith. Now here's like the mind bender part is none of us stay in the same place, right? So like you could marry someone who takes off spiritually ahead of you, or you take off spiritually ahead of them, whatever. God knows what's going to happen. The point is let's be wise in choosing today. We've got to, with the knowledge that we have, does this, if I'm a believer in Jesus, like I know how important that is to me. I need to try and find someone that it's, it's as important to them. Why? Well, Paul right there says, what do we have in common? Which is, which is an interesting thing to really think about. Am I, as a believer in Jesus, am I that different from the world around me that doesn't know Jesus? I mean, that's like a, man, I got to think about that. And what does it mean if I'm not? But when you start thinking about stuff, I don't know how people who aren't committed to Jesus, I do not know how they stay married their entire life. I don't know how you choose to love another person. I I could not love Tyler selflessly if I did not understand the love that Jesus has for me that I do not deserve, grace that I do not deserve. Like there's no way I could extend that to Tyler. And then you just even think about the mess of like raising children. What religion are you raising them in? Like really practical stuff. But, But when you're making decisions about jobs to take, places to move, people you want to invest in, all of these things should be impacted by Jesus. Yeah. And so if you are married to someone who does not share in that, you're going to feel that tension real fast. And I have friends that are married to non-believers. And again, just like Paul said, doesn't mean you divorce that person. Like you're going to stay with them and pray every day that that person comes and know Jesus, right? Because yeah. you want them to know the Lord. Yeah. But it is, it is a hard road. Yeah. The way that I've always thought about it is like, where are you? headed and 
is this person walking in the same direction as you? Um, I think Carl and I talked about this on the episode that we did together, but like, if you're heading North, if you feel like, you know, you want your life to, you want your life to be founded on God. If you want to be pursuing Jesus, if you want to like have everything in your life, like, um, have his, just his fingerprints all over your life, you're heading North. If you marry someone who doesn't, who is not not only like not pursuing the Lord, but is maybe pursuing something else or who's like maybe casually, maybe that person is heading like East at best. You end up Northeast. You don't end up North. Right. You might end up East. It depends on who pulls harder, Yeah. but you're going to have to either force him North, which is not how you want to do it. No. Or he's going to force you East. You don't want to go East. And at best you still don't end up where you want to be. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it. Like, this is like a really silly example, but if you're thinking about, um, if you've ever tried to like start eating healthier or like working out or whatever, if Carl and I do that together, if we decide together that we're like, okay, we're going to like try to eat more vegetables or something like that. If we do it together, we're so much more likely to get there. If I'm like, I'm going to try to eat more vegetables. And Carl's like, you want to order pizza? I'm like, sure, yeah. order the pizza. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to be eating pizza. Yeah, like, no, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm east. I'm east. Um, but so I feel like that's with our faith. Like, if we if we want to be heading north, we need someone who's walking north with us. We'll yeah. get there. We'll get there together, yeah. you know, because we have a person walking with us. The old illustration, I don't even know who said it, and so many people have repeated it at this point, but... It's like before marriage, when dating, your goal is to pursue Christ. You want to be running after Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Run after Jesus. If you just so happen to turn to your, you know, you just turn your head to your right and someone's keeping pace with you and just like you're talking about in the same direction running toward Jesus, maybe you link up arms with that person, you know, but like Jesus, like keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, run after Jesus. And if there's someone keeping pace, maybe that's a good person for you to team up with. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So good. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. 
Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, well, so Hannah, do you have any tips about, like, as you're dating, how to find out if a guy's a Christian without, like, being a creep about it? So funny. I had a friend so text many girls me the other day, this. like, how do I, like, because, okay, my rule is say yes to the dress. Just kidding. Say yes to the ask. So you may not know if a guy is a believer most of the time, right? If they mm-hmm. ask you out on a date, like, I don't know. I mean, I said yes to guys that I met after work. Like, I'd be out at a happy hour with friends you know, some of my colleagues and some guy at a bar would come up to me. I would say yes to that guy. And I, I know that is liberal for some Christians, right? (laughs) Like I met him at a bar, you know, whatever. And all we know is he thought I was cute, right? That's like the only reason he came over to ask me out. Some of those dates though were the most fun because there was just no pressure. Like I didn't, I wasn't going into this date thinking I was going to marry him. Anyway, I digress. What was the question? <laughs> um, how do you find out if a guy's a Christian without oh, being creeped on it? Right. So, I mean, first of all, if this is like that scenario, I mean, pretty much a blind date, the whole like, well, tell me about yourself. Like, where did you come from? Like, if someone loves Jesus, it's probably going to come out. If it doesn't, you know, asking questions just like, well, so like, how do you spend your time now? What are you about? Like, oh, do you go to church anywhere? But a friend that texted me recently was saying like, so what if they go to church? Because, I mean, we live in the South and this is a friend that's in the South. Like everyone goes to church. I don't know what that means. And a lot of it is like, you're not going to figure it out just on one or two or three dates where you're sitting across a table from each other talking. Like that is where you get to really get to know this person. You're meeting their friends. You're seeing how they live their life. Like you can tell Uh, This is what I text my friend. Basically, like, instead of worrying about how he responds to you verbally in certain questions, look for fruit of the Spirit. Like, a believer in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. They should be exhibiting peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, forgiveness, goodness, self-control. And again, always a good time to stop and think, am I reflecting those things? And if a person sat across a dinner table with me, would they see that stuff? Or am I just lip service? Yeah, I go to church and I'm in a small group. Like, but again, don't we care a lot more about someone exhibiting the fruit of the spirit rather than like they go to church every Sunday morning? Yes. I mean, we want, obviously we want to be going to church on Sunday mornings, but. It's the fruit of the the spirit is more important. That is what matters. 
the, the question, I love how you said it, you know, tell me about yourself. How do you spend your time? What do you do on the weekends? Like those are things you should be asking on a first date anyway. Right. And if they say something like, yeah, I'm involved in my church or I go to a small group or something. If they don't say something like that, you can mention that you do. That's right. See how they react. You can say, do you go to church anywhere? And then that's a perfect time for them to say either yes or no, or like, I hate church or something like that. And then I feel like that's that's the next intersection where you get to decide, do I want to keep pursuing this or not? And if they say, yeah, like I go to church, maybe I'm not as like regular as I should be. Or, you know, I I'm, I'm in between small groups, but I'm looking for a new one. You're like, great. Like let's keep doing this. Yeah. And then you like walk down that path towards yes. And start to see, okay, well, are they the kind of person who says they go to church or, you know, do they go to church on like, you know, once a year or something like that? Or are they actually, do they have a relationship with Jesus? But you don't find that out on the first date. Right. You find out enough to decide if you want to go on a second date on the first date. Right. But you don't find out like it, it's, I think it goes back to the thing about, we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to have a lot of stops and starts in relationships. We want just one to work, but it just mm-hmm. doesn't work that way. We have to go on a couple dates with someone and that's okay. That's how it's supposed to be. Cause you don't find out if they have the same kind of faith as you do until you've you've gone out a couple times. And you have to be ready and comfortable and brave enough to share your story of faith too. And I don't mean in like an evangelistic way. I'm just saying when you're expecting him to tell me about yourself and hoping he's going to bring, you know, his elements of faith up, you've got to do that too. Because I had this text recently, a friend was like, I need, how do I tell a guy that I can't, or this was an email, I guess. How do I tell a guy that I can't date him because he's not a Christian? And the problem with this specific situation was that it had never come up. So, so this guy's about to get like, he didn't know she was a Christian. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you've got to be forthcoming enough about your faith and how that's important to you so that when the time comes, because at some point you're realizing we're not both going north it needs to be a pretty easy conversation of, Hey, like, you know, my faith is important to me. You know, the Lord is important to me. I'm really looking for someone who's on that same page and everyone's in a different place on their spiritual journey. And like, I'm totally, you know, pro you and where you are, but like, I have to find someone that is on the same page as me. And that's what I'm looking for. That's a pretty easy thing to say. If you've been up front already yes, about where you are with the Lord. If you haven't been, that is weird and comes out of nowhere and it's going to be really weird. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So Hannah, there are, you know, as we're kind of getting into dating, so we're, we're dating now. Um, we're dating, we're officially dating. You know, one of the other kind of catchphrases that comes up is about pursuit. Mm-hmm. And I guess, okay, fine. We're not dating yet. We're about to start dating. Um, <laughs> so like with pursuit, what does that mean? Like, is that in scripture? Like the man in dating should pursue the woman. Right. What, and then what does that look like played out? Does that mean that we should be sitting there showing no interest and like letting the gut, like letting the men like court us and then pass? Like, I mean, what does this, what does this look like? Yeah. So I think I was trying to, I wrote, I I have a couple pieces in my book where I write about this idea of like him pursuing, letting the guy pursue you or like, do you pursue him? All this stuff. It's definitely not in the Bible. There's okay. Again, there's no Bible verses on dating. So right there, if, if you hear anything, anyone say anything about like, Oh, in the Bible, it talks about how guys should pursue girls while dating. Like, hello, red flag, nothing in there about dating. Um, I feel like you just blew everyone's mind. (laughs) So, but I think this is where I think this came from. So the idea that guys should pursue, if we look at the Bible and, okay, so there's two camps in churches right now about marriage, either um, it's egalitarian or it's complementarian. Okay. Egalitarian. What does egal sound like? Equal. We're equals. So man, wife, we're equals. That sounds really nice. I actually love that camp, but I, I happen to be in complementarianism camp, which means it doesn't mean that they're not equal. Men and women are equal. They're both image bearers of God designed in his image, but it's that we have different roles that, and we complement one another in those roles. So we're not the same. We're equal, but we're different. Different roles complement one another. The reason I live there. And this is, this is found in Ephesians. It's Ephesians 5, and uh, I think it's verse 22 where it starts. And it says, wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, 
those that are in the egalitarian camp, they can like unfold this and say how it's mutual submission and all this stuff. And that, I love that. And I, I really wish that that's what I believed because it just sounds, I, I want mutual submission. I want my husband to submit to me. But the, the tricky part of this passage is it says, it says the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So the church submits to Christ just like the wives should submit to husbands. The problem with mutual submission is that there is not mutual submission between Christ and the church. Only the church submits to Christ. Christ does not submit to the church. So if that's the analogy we've been given, it's really hard to then say, well, it's mutual submission between husband and wife, even though that the analogy, it breaks down. Yeah. So... Now, you can totally be in the egalitarian side. Guess what? We're all going to heaven, so it's going to be okay. It really it really doesn't matter. But I think this is where the idea of pursuit comes from, because if the husband is supposed to be head of the wife in marriage, if he's not the leader, if he's not the pursuer during dating, it's unlikely to flip. So if you are the pursuer, if you're the leader of the relationship while dating, you are going to be the leader of your marriage. Now, I'm a very strong, independent who runs the world, girls, woman, right? <laughs> um, so, and I would be, if Tyler and I, if gender wasn't a part of the equation and we were genderless people, I, went, I 100% am the leader with me and Tyler. But Tyler is a servant leader. Hmm. Tyler manages people. Like Tyler owns his own company. Like he has leadership qualities. I would just be the stronger one right? When you're just looking at us, we're not male, we're not female, we're not husband, not wife, whatever. In the work environment, if Tyler and I were at the same company, I would be the leader, okay? That's all good. (laughs) Because Paul didn't say in the Bible, women submit to men. He didn't say female colleagues submit to male colleagues. He said husbands, wives. He also didn't say girlfriends submit to boyfriends. So, if you're going to sit on the complementarian side, and it's okay if you don't want to, Jesus loves you, so do I, it doesn't matter. Uh, you only have to submit to one man your entire life, and that would be your husband after you're married to him. Okay, really quick, we have we have to just ask this. What does it mean? Because, you know, we're going to talk about, really, my next question was, once we've started dating, is like the spiritual leadership. So what does that look yeah. like? Does it mean... Talk to us about what submission means. Does it mean like I don't read my Bible until he tells me to? Does it right, mean right. like if we're in a fight, he has to win every single time? Right. What does no. submission mean? No. Submission is just really about respect and honoring. And again, you gotta think Middle Eastern culture, this was about the most important thing, right? Is honor in Middle Eastern culture is respect. And so Paul is charging women, like, remember, you've got to respect him, you've got to respect his leadership. Of your household. So for Tyler and I, you know, submitting to Tyler is like once in a blue moon when we disagree on something. And finally, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll say, you know what? I trust you. I trust the Holy Spirit in you. And if this is the decision you think we need to make, okay. Now, I have already told him my opinion. We have duped it out. Okay. <laughs> so none of this is like me being subservient. It's not subservient. Also, submission and subservient are different words. Like, this is not, I'm lower, less than, I don't get to have an opinion. Like, I mean, obviously, <laughs> like I'm a strong personality. So it's really, I mean, my mom's, my mom wrote a whole book on biblical submission, which honestly, I think it's the best thing out there. Um, but she jokes, her definition of submission is knowing when to duck so that God can hit your husband on the head. Okay. <laughs> like that's submission. So, but so, I still have to pursue the Lord. I'm responsible for my own relationship with Jesus. Tyler is responsible for his own. We chase after the Lord separately and yet together somehow because we're married. And I don't know. It's some of that I think is just the mystery of marriage. Yeah. But really, it's at the end of the day. And it's that I, I mean, really for me, it's I, I have to allow Tyler to be the head of our household. I have to allow him to be the leader because it's real easy for me to take the reins. But I think that that is how God designed it. I think, I think men are supposed, again, just in their home. And I think there's a lot of cultural issues that we're seeing today because of the lack of that, because dads aren't present, husbands aren't present, um, whether they're literally absent or they're physically there, but they're not doing their job. I think, I think all that, I mean, we can go all the way back to Adam and Eve. I think that's part of the fall. 
Yeah. I think Adam was born to lead and Eve was born to be there right beside him, doing everything with them in tandem. Um, but it, that got flipped pretty much right after she took a bite out of that apple. So, and it's so funny. So spiritual leadership, you know, I, I've talked about this, oh my gosh, so much with women. What does this look like in dating? You know, shouldn't he be bringing up scripture? Shouldn't he be leading us in a Bible study? Shouldn't he be, you know, moms with children? Well, I want my husband to be um, the spiritual lead in our house. So he should be reading the devotionals about Jesus to our kids, all these things. It doesn't say that anywhere in scripture. I mean, okay, yes, you want to be married to a man that is pursuing the Lord in a way that sharpens you, challenges you, encourages you. But nowhere does it say like he has to do X, Y, Z to be a spiritual leader. And you also are just as in charge of your own walk and your children's walk. Like it goes back to, you know what, your husband, he just may not be the kind of guy that's going to sit down and read the Jesus Bible to your four-year-old and like walk through them with that at night. And you know what, if that's what you want to do, do it. That doesn't mean you're being the spiritual leader in your household. Like you're just pursuing Jesus and trying to help your husband do the same. So I think we've put all these, you know, even in dating, oh, he should be leading us in prayer together. Why? Like (laughs) you chase after Jesus. He chases after Jesus. You should both be sharpening and encouraging one another. People ask me a lot, like, what does it look like to like be in a godly marriage? And it's, I've always said it is two godly people getting married. Like it's not, you don't get into a godly marriage once you're married, I mean, you, you can, you can start pursuing the Lord once you're married, you know, but it's, it's two people who love Jesus, like doing it side by side. And it doesn't right. mean there aren't like Bible study hours you need to log together. It's not, you don't have to like worship and pray together every morning. If you want to, that's great. But like something that Carl and I realized, honestly, not that long ago, well, I mean, we've known this for a long time, but we kind of put language to it, which was so like hilarious to me, honestly people, you know, we have this idea that this is what it's supposed to look like to pursue the Lord together. If Carl and I, like, we do not do Bible studies together. And we realized lately, we started talking about it. We're like, oh my gosh, if we did, can you imagine how bored and frustrated both of us would be? Carl wants to know all of the history and he wants to sit there for hours and he wants to dive. He's a knowledge person. Mm -hmm. And not that I'm not a knowledge person, but I'm way more of a feeling person. Like I want to like weep and cry and pray and feel the Lord's presence. And Carl's like, okay, like, I don't know, he's here for that a little bit, but it's just, we, we pursue him differently. And so we get to pursue the Lord in the way that we are wired and the way that God speaks to us. And then we get to just like talk about it together and, and do it like side by side. Yes. So when it comes to pursuit though, like I, I totally see what you're saying. It's like, if we, I was, when I think about this, when I think about like leadership and stuff, I think about like wearing the pants. Mm -hmm. Um, And in society, we see a lot of women who are like, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Like she's in charge. (laughs) She's whatever. And then the husband just sort of sits there and says like, yes, ma'am to her. That's not what we want. We don't want to be in a relationship that's like that. And so I feel like if we are in a dating relationship where the whole thing would fall apart if we're not controlling it, like our marriage is going to be exactly the same. And so with pursuit, like like, do we, I think that we have, like, we, we still have a role to play. We can put ourselves out there. We can, like, flirt. We can talk to him. We can, I don't, I mean, does he have to text us first? What do you, like, talk about that a little bit more? Here's the thing. I don't think there are any rules, okay? <laughs> I think that, um, <laughs> I think that the way different people's stories unfold, like, everyone's story is different. And mine and Tyler's, for example, Tyler asked me out on a date. We went out on two and a half dates. We call it a half because one was a lunch date and I didn't feel well. So it ended early. Uh, and when we struck up a dating relationship again, two years later, it's because I texted him and asked him if he wanted to get together. (laughs) So, and if we're going to go black and white, that sounds like I'm pursuing him, right? I mean, that is me asking him out on a date. Now I typically, I never really asked guys out on a date because I, I wanted to be, I, I wanted to date guys who already knew how to take up that intentionality, that leadership, how to pursue a woman. Like I just didn't want to date a guy that I had to ask out on a date, right? Like I'm already a strong leader. I, I knew I'm looking for a guy who knows how to ask a girl out on a date. But it just so happened that like Tyler did that. I knew he would never ask me out again because I broke it off with him. Yeah. So I knew I had to be the one to strike it up. So that's where it's like, 
I don't even think it's bad for a girl to ask a guy out on a date. I really don't. It doesn't say it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that you can't ask a guy out on a date. So it just starts getting tricky and sticky if that means that guy would never have asked you out because he lacks, you know, initiative. Yeah. And for me, I didn't want to be with a guy that lacked initiative only because I knew I was looking for a man who would be able to like lead our family 10 years from now. So that said, like, I, I just, I think we get, I think it gets real sticky when we start saying, oh, per, you know, you can't ask a guy out, but you can do, you know, whatever. And in my book, I talk about like, I don't think women should pursue men only because again, I just think it's diff- It's not unbiblical. It's that it's difficult to reverse the role once you're married. If you are the pursuer, if you're the leader all the way up to the altar, you're going to be the leader forever in your marriage. But I talk about like women giving a nudge instead. So if you're in a confusing guy, girl friendship that seems like you're dating and he pays sometimes, but he doesn't always pay. And it's unclear. Like it is a hundred percent okay for you to initiate that conversation because you also own like taking care of yourself. You don't need to just be like strung along by some guy because you're waiting for him to lead. Like if he's not leading, you get to call him on it. And and so I call it a nudge, like and doing, you're not doing it in a sassy, salty way. You know, you're, you're like, you're just bringing up like, Hey, we're good friends. I love spending time with you. Sometimes you pay, sometimes you don't just kind of confused. Like, where are we? Do you see us as dating? Are we just friends? I'm trying to figure out what's going on in your head so that I can make some decisions for myself. Yes. That's a nudge. That's a, that's a strong nudge. Some may call it pursuit. I I think it's just you being your own advocate, taking care of your own heart, you know? Yes. And like, I love that you said that you reached out to Tyler again. So I think that a lot of girls would think, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be the pursuer. But like, he would not have asked you again, not because Tyler lacks initiative, but because he already took initiative and you shot him down. Right. So like, if you wanted to bring it back up, you had to do it. But that also doesn't mean, kind of like we talked about with like, finding out if this person's a Christian or not, like, you know, there are steps to it. There are stages to it. It's like you find out, okay, he goes to church. And then the next step is you get to find out if he really is living this out. You made the first phone call, but then Tyler didn't like let you call him all of the rest of the time. He called you back. It became a mutual thing. It became something where he asked you out on the next date or something like that. So it's pursuit. Isn't just you do it once. Now it's done. It's, it's a kind of more of a dance. It's like a back and forth kind of thing. And you can't be the girl that's also like, so afraid of pursuit or doing the wrong thing that you're just like hoping that guy notices you and knows you want him to ask you out on a date. Like, I can't tell you the number of times I would tell a guy after being around a meeting and whatever, just at some point directly saying like, Hey, I'd love to hang. I'd love to like hang out with you more or Hey, like we should, we should, yeah, we should go to dinner sometime. Like, I mean, again, that may seem really bold and like I'm asking him out on a date, but I, I wasn't setting the time. I wasn't setting the place. I was just letting him know. Hey, I'd love to grab dinner sometime with you. And if he wanted to pick up that ball and ask me out, that was, it made it so much more easy for him. Cause that's the other thing. Like guys are scared. They don't want to be rejected. They don't want to make things awkward. Like if they have no clue, if you would say yes or no to them, if they asked you out, like a lot of them are, are really going to be hesitant and asking you out. It's okay to throw them some bones and let them know, Hey, and you're not saying, I want to marry you. Yeah. You're not saying I want to even be in a committed relationship with you. All you're saying is like, it'd be fun to hang out. <laughs> and then he knows, okay, like I'm not going to get rejected here. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give it a try. Like you've met him halfway and he gets to like, it's like you've set up the tea for him. I'm, I'm trying to find a sports out <laughs> here. I'm really failing. And he gets to just like knock it out of the park. Yeah. Anyway, insert, insert sports analogy here. Yeah. That was a great job. Hannah, listen, we're going to have to make this episode a two-parter <laughs> because, because we have had so many great questions about like leading up to dating that we haven't got to talk about anything having to do with relationships. So we're going to do a dun-dun-dun and we're going to do a two-parter. So thank you for being here for part one. I'm so excited for part two. Um, stay tuned because that's going to be coming up next. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to have you here at Girls' Night. 
Don't forget that you can always find any of the links from our show over in our show notes. All you have to do is go to stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog, and we'll have everything there. All the links we talked about, all of Hannah's contact info, so you guys can follow her and so y'all can be friends. Now, before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you don't miss an episode. And it's a way easier way to listen because it's a way of bookmarking the podcast. You won't have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take one quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast iTunes takes reviews and ratings super seriously. That's how we invite our new friends to our girls' nights. So would you guys do me a huge favor and just take one second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And I have to say a huge thank you to all of you who have left such sweet comments already. I just love this one from Kenzie from just a few days ago. She said, I absolutely love this podcast. I find myself recommending it to everyone. It's lighthearted and you truly feel like you're being poured into by your best girlfriends, but you are also fiercely challenged and pushed to be the best version of you. Hands down, one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Kenzie, thank you. I love that. Thank you so much, friends. Thank you so much for your sweet words and thank you even more for being a part of our Girls' Night community. It means the world to me. And truly, thank you to all of you who have taken the time to leave a review. You guys are the best. All right, friends, thank you so much for joining us for Girls' Night, and I will see you next week for part two with Hannah.